Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga. Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß. Bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten. Tische! Tor! 1 zu 0 für den VfL Bochum. Da draußen ist der Ball frei. Und jetzt ist er drin. Jetzt ist er drin. Und die Spotzen macht das Tor. Und er ist drin. Buchmann, Buchmann, Buchmann macht das zweite Tor. Da ist das Tor. Der zählt das 2 zu 2. Drist ist wieder da. Größer ist da. Für Rausch, der setzt an zur Flanke, da kommt der Ball, Tor, 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 Hello and welcome to the Spider Bundesliga podcast with me, Matthew Karagic. If you're new to the show, we welcome you and we hope that you enjoy the show. And if you are a regular listener, we welcome your company back once again. Today we have a busy show once again. We'll be reviewing all the action from Match Day 16, having a look at the action ahead for Match Day 17. Goals of the week, our weekly poll, and of course, your questions. Today I'm joined by two very, very special guests. Once again, we are joined by Armenia Bielefeld fan. Eva, Eva, how are you doing this morning? Good, thank you. That is great to hear. Obviously, a difficult past 24 hours for Bielefeld, but we'll touch on that later. And it was a late inclusion, but we're very happy to have him along. Vavil and Ingolstadt fan, Alex Howe. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Matthew. Oh, fantastic to hear. We're going to jump straight into it with our weekly topic. This week, we asked about the managers and who we, who you thought would be the has been the best so far this season. Our choices were Marcus Anfang of FC Köln, Tim Walter of Holstein Kiel, Urs Fischer of Union Berlin, and then others if you had any other options. Uh, the runaway winner in our poll was Urs Fischer with 35%, Tim Volta with 24%, others with 23%, and last but not least, Marcus Anfang. Uh, Eva, I'm going to start with you. Uh, who's been your manager manager of the season for, so far? I would probably go with uh, Tim Volta because um, he had one of the most difficult spots to fill with uh, Anfang leaving to Köln and a lot of players partner up with other teams, but he's done a very, very good job so far. And I'm a bit surprised how how they're doing this, this season. So I would go ahead and say he's been the best so far. Yeah, they've had a fantastic season so far. And uh, I would agree they have ex- excelled and exceeded their expectations uh, this season, especially with the the spine of the side gutted. Uh, Alex, uh, do you agree with Eva, or are you going on a different pathway? I'd agree that your Tim Valtz has been up there, and I'd also agree that the other two uh, suggestions that we had, uh, again, were up there. But I actually looked outside the box, and I was surprised that no one mentioned him in uh, Marcus Kauczynski, actually, at St. Pauli. Um, I mean, the level on points with Union now after the victory at Bochum. Uh, and you know, a number, it's been a number of Kauczynski signings like Hemp Veerman that have actually you know, really pushed St. Pauli up the table. They've only had four defeats all season and the last of that came at the end of October against Tim Walter's Kiel. And I think Kauczynski's job is especially impressive if we consider his previous job at Ingolstadt and how poorly that went for him. So I was surprised not to see him up there, actually. Yeah, Sam Pauli fans didn't get onto that, but I do agree he's had a fantastic season and they are very much in a great position to continue on that form on the weekend. For me, uh, he was named by uh, 
Nico at Nikos Bird. Uh, I thought Robin Dutt would be, uh, you know, the favourite for mine. I think he's done an excellent job at Bochum. He obviously kept them from the relegation zone and, and he excelled them to that sixth place position. You know, the loss against St. Pauli may discredit him a little bit, um, but I think he's had a fantastic season. With the with the squad they've got, they've had plenty of injuries in that attacking midfield role, but he's been able to find ways to get, you know, get 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 points and, and, and they've been fantastic at home and I think he, he deserves a shout um, we also had some other comments from our, our lovely listeners. Uh, Dennis at uh, Dennis ZZZ Sport. He is, I'm guessing, a Regensburg fan. He, he says that Aki and Bielorza is no doubt, you know, the manager of the year so far. He's brought his team further than ever before. They've done fantastically well this season. And I think, um, you know, he, he's done a great job in, you know, keeping them up. Uh, a Bauer Ranger at underscore Bauer Ranger underscore. Uh, he says Hannes Wolf should be in the conversation. He says with uh, with Teets we struggled a lot, but now it looks very good. Six wins and one draw. Also, Volta does a great job as Kiel were predicted to battle in the relegation zone. And Danny, our lovely Danny Furt fan, he chimed in. He says he disagrees that Anfang should be in the conversation, being that he has first league players to win the second league. He agrees that Tim Volta has been the manager of the year so far. From the manager of the year so far, we are turning to our attention to the goals of the week. Uh, our choices were Jan Holscheid against Ert- of Erzgebirge Auer against Fert, Emmanuel Ayoa against Fert for Erzgebirge Auer, and Nikola Dovidan Heidenheim against Emersfeld Duisburg. And the winner was Jan Holscheid's free kick with 44% of the vote, 23% with the other. 22% went for Dovidan's goal against Duisburg and Ayoa's goal against Furt. I'm going to start with you, Alex. Uh, do you agree with Jan Holscheid's goal being the winner or do you have another goal in mind? Uh, no, I agree with the poll on this one. I thought Holscheid's uh, free kick was you know, straight out of the top draw. And Though I do believe that Ayoa should uh, get a lot more credit for his uh, goal, which was a fantastic uh, individual one at that. Eva, uh, do you agree with Alex or you have another goal? Yeah, definitely. Both of those, uh, our goals were pretty amazing. So I would level them more or less on because they were both really, really good goals. Um, yeah, so more credit for the your goal as well, I would say. Yeah, I'm going to go with Holshard. I think his free kick was was just different gravy altogether. And, um, you know, at a time of the game where our looked to get on top, they were you know, they'd just gone two ahead and... Yeah, that free kick was uh, right out of the top drawer, as Alex said, and uh, yeah, it's very hard to disagree. That's, that concludes the first section of the podcast. Be sure to join us in a moment as we preview, sorry, review match day 16 with Hamburg against Paderborn. Ball weiter zu Nachrei und der zieht ab und diesmal 1 zu 0 heißt es nach 10 Minuten und 20. Yes, and we start that review of match day 16 at the Volkspark Stadion. It was Hamburg taking on Paderborn, and it was a 1-0 win for the tabletoppers with Khalid Narai's 11th-minute strike being enough to give highest foul all three points. We'll start with you, Alex. Your overall impression on the game, it's another good. It's another win for Hamburg, who stay atop. Um, what was your feeling with their performance on, the week, on uh, Friday night? I think uh, you summed it up quite well. Uh, it wasn't a spectacular game by any means, and it wasn't a spectacular performance uh, by Hartisfeld by any means, but um, they're still top of the table, and ultimately that is what Hannes Wolf will be judged by, you know, getting them back up to the Bundesliga. And so, 
even though it wasn't the best of games, I don't think uh, Hamburg fans can be too displeased uh, with the win in the end. It's been a common theme under Hannes Wolf. They, they don't play particularly pretty football, but it's result-based. He did that at Stuttgart as well a couple of seasons ago, and he helped them gain promotion from there. Eva, um, for Paderborn, as much as you may disdain talking about that football club who play in the Tin Shed, um, it's, an, it's another uh, few points gone by... <laughs> Excuse us. Um, it's another it's another missed opportunity for them. They, you know, failed to score again on the road. Um, do you think they've got some issues in, in midfield, or do you think that maybe they need to, you know, change things up? Yeah, I think every woman is, was a bit surprised after that that Heidenheim um, game, how they played against Armenia, and now how they played against HSV. They they had a good start from uh, in uh, in the second half, um, but they seemed to to concentrate a bit more on the defense. Although that doesn't work all the time, um, but but go a bit away from their uh, like from their offense, and um, they they scored a lot of goals. They have the second best offense in the league, but somehow they they're not managed to to um, score that many goals anymore um, yeah but I think they will come back to to score again and it, it's it's really hard to play Hamburg uh, as how they are with Hannes Wolf and uh, they have five wins in six games so yeah I think it's not a shame to lose against against this Hamburg right now there is no doubting that since Hannes Wolf has taken over, they have become a defensive juggernaut. Uh, we make the trip to the Ravelli, uh for last night's or Monday night's game from when you listen to the podcast. Uh, Bochum were beaten 3-1 at home to St. Pauli. It was Bochum's first defeat at home this season. And for St. Pauli, a massive win puts them fourth on the table, equal on points with Union Berlin. Eva, I'm going to start with you. It's another impressive win for Marcus Kalczynski's side, it's the first time Hank Verman has scored and St. Pauli have won. Your impression on their performance and whether they can continue on that form this weekend? Yeah, I think especially uh, the first half was a pretty good game to watch. Uh, especially Bochum was uh, very strong, uh, but, but St. Pauli uh, took the lead uh, and then Bochum leveled, but then this uh, penalty. I think it should. It wasn't. It was an irregular one because Fairman was already in the box. So maybe if you have a draw at halftime, that that much would have been different in the second half. But then Bochum wasn't as strong as they were in the first half. So in the end, uh, it deserved win for St. Pauli. Yeah, and yeah. there is an agreement on the uh, the uh, the second goal. It should have been called back. Uh, Hank Vermeen is clearly in the penalty area as Samuel Lakri is about to take the kick. Alex, for Borkham, it's their first loss at home this season. Uh, but the positive is Lucas Hintzier found the back of the net for the first time in some time. Uh, what do you think their takeaway is from the game? They did have 66% of possession and had 22 shots on goal for the one goal. Um, what can Robin do take away from this game? I think the wasted chances is obviously a worry for Bochum, but at the same time, we've mentioned the penalty could have you know, quite easily been uh, ruled out because Vernon's in the box. And also, 
with the third goal, uh, I think uh, Sam Powell did as best as they could to actually uh, ruin that chance. Um, and so it could have quite easily been a draw in that sense. Um, so, I mean, maybe this is just a blip for Bochum. They've been in good form recently. And, you know, I think in the long term, Robin, uh, Robin Dutt's side will get back to that. Yeah, we will see. They've got an interesting test coming up this weekend. Our last game of the Group 1 games is in Magdeburg. It was an old-fashioned East German derby. As Magdeburg drew 1-1 with Union Berlin, Christian Beck's uh, cheeky little chip over Rafael Gikovic opening the score on 39 minutes, but it was a well-timed substitution by Urs Fischer to give Akaki Agogia a chance. He scored on 65 minutes. It was an interesting game overall, Alex. Um, Magdeburg looked quite impressive, and I think the the takeaway from their past three performances is they've looked a lot better under Michel Erning. Yes, definitely. Um, they're quite similar to Ingolstadt in that sense that they look uh, better performances-wise, but they just can't uh, quite seem to pick up a victory, and ultimately that's seen them uh, marooned at the bottom of the table. Um, unlike Ingolstadt, though, Magdeburg will you know, always be a massive threat at home with the atmosphere that they can generate especially in East German derbies like the one at the weekend. And so, I mean, they have to be looking positively uh, towards the new year and where they can uh, go under earning. Yep, and um, from the Union side, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you, Eva. It's their seventh draw from eight games away from home. They've only won once. Um, is that a worry for Urs Fischer, or is it the fact that they find ways to get results that would be pleasing him? Yeah, I don't know. You can see that it doesn't really do any harm at the moment. So probably uh, after we start into the new year, that might get a bit different. But uh, yeah, right now they're still unbeaten. Um, that That's pretty good. Um, and yeah, I think they... They need to start to to win a bit more and maybe put a bit more effort in some games, especially against Magdeburg. Uh, it could have gone both directions in the second half, and maybe one game then the the other half is a bit better, and Union will lose. So they they have to try to put a bit more effort in in the game, nonetheless who they're playing. Yeah, it definitely seemed like it was a game that, that could cause them some difficulties. And I thought Magdeburg were really up for the occasion, but it was a shame on their behalf that once again, they couldn't hold on to the goal lead. We'll take a quick break and we'll start with our Group 2 games in just a moment with Armenia Bielefeld and Sandhausen. Dann Achtung, los, legt ab, schützt direkt Abnahme, Schuhen pariert, prima. Aber diesmal ist Vogelsammer da und macht das 1 zu 1. Yes, and our first game of the Group 2 section was Armenia Bielefeld taking on Sandhausen. It was a 1-1 draw, but it wasn't a game without some controversy. The opening goal coming from Fabian Schleusner on 46 minutes, but it was quite obvious to everyone inside the ground and watching the telecast or the highlights package by Sky that he was well and truly offside. But the football gods came back with some glory as Andreas Vogelsammer scoring his second goal in consecutive games on 79 minutes, rescuing a point for Armenia Bielefeld. But it wasn't enough for Jeff Sabina to keep his job. He was later sacked yesterday afternoon and was replaced by Uwe Neuhaus. Eva, it makes sense to start with you. 
Uh, it was probably a more frustrating game to watch considering the dominance of Bielefeld. Um, your overall impressions on the performance and I guess I have to ask you, uh, your impressions on Uwe Neuhaus taking over? Yeah, so first of all, on the game, so uh, it was good to see uh, the same starting eleven like we had against Parabon, so that was a good start. Uh, I mean, you had the better start, um, but after a while, it was an equal game uh, with both teams focused or not making any mistakes, so no real chances until like many, minute 27 or so. Uh, but Bielefeld was the more active team. And then this uh, Sandhausen had the better start into the second half with that 1-0, which you already said was clear offside, uh, but that uh, put Amenia out of the game for a while. Um, and then there was uh, a bit... Yeah, some discussions again with that header by Manuel Pritel, um, which could have been a goal maybe. Um, but Armenia stayed in the game, was really focused on scoring and uh, like the whole game got more aggressive uh, over and over. And then, yeah, maybe in the end, even um, a red card was possible for Zenga because he just went straight into Lukoki. But in the end, this all wasn't enough for Zabina and Trump, which is like so those both, um, which shows that probably already before that game, um, they had a lot of contact with Neuhaus which is not the thing that I say, okay, this is bad because this is better than introducing a new coach on Thursday or so. Um, and I'm sure Uwe Neuss is a really great coach. Um, maybe he's a bit too close to the second Bundesliga this season already, but um, I think I'm quite sure that every every player has to has to show themselves. or So, but... Um, yeah, in the end, I don't get why they sacked him now. Like, not after the Ingolstadt game or the Duisburg game. That would have been understandable. But the last two games, they were lost or they didn't win because of, like, uh, that last-minute goal against Paderborn and now that uh, offside goal. So this is maybe not the best time, but I don't know what was going on in the background. So maybe it's the best. we we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if, if it was based purely on form uh, and results, then you could definitely understand the decision. But it did seem like Sabina had the backing of uh, the Bielefeld faithful. Um, Alex, you know, Neuhaus is a, is a journeyman in, in the word. He's, you know, coached at Berlin and um, Dresden. H- how do you think his managerial style will uh, have an impact on the, on the Bielefeld dressing room? Um, to sum it up, I think He's really got to make Bielefeld hard to beat again. Uh, at Dresden specifically, he really did that, and ultimately, that's is what what's going to keep you know Bielefeld up and keep them away from the relegation zone. Um, so I think you know, the Bielefeld um, managerial staff have clearly looked at bringing in someone who can make them a hard to beat team, and you know, unfortunately for Sabina. Uh, that wasn't really the case at the moment. You know, they dominated the Sandhausen game, and you know, on another day they might have easily won that game. But unfortunately, uh, they weren't resolute enough. And even though we might say the goal was offside, you know, ultimately they haven't uh, walked away with a game that they should have really been winning. 
Yeah, it's 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 a shame, but you know that's the life of a footballer, and that is football in a nutshell. It's very very difficult. Uh, we make the journey to Heidenheim, and they made scoring relatively easy as they made light work of Duisburg with a four-one win. Dennis Tamala scoring on thirty-five minutes, and then the second half onslaught of goals came with Nikola Dovidan scoring a brace, Mark Schnatter scoring from the spot. And the lone Duisburg goal coming from Kevin Volter on 69 minutes. Uh, Eva, I'll start with you. It's another impressive home win for Heidenheim. Uh, they've been making a habit of it uh, of recent, excluding that Paderborn game. Um, <laughs> we have to exclude that because it seemed to blip in the uh, in the road. What's impressed you about this Heidenheim side at, Heidenheim side at home? And do you think Frank Schmidt deserves um, some more credit because he's done uh, what has been a pretty good job with uh, limited resources? Yeah, I think um, we always talk about how how good that team actually is with Jovedan, with Schnatara, and that Paderborn game just seemed to like fall completely out of that routine. Um, it was a pretty powerful start especially by Duisburg, so again, a bit like that uh, Sandhausen game against Heidenheim, uh, they always let the other team play for a bit, and then they're the much more effective team. So then they have, they're not that much of a powerful first half, but then score and have a very good second half. Um, so... Yeah, I think Frank Schmidt is is a very good coach for Heidenheim. He stands for consistency. Um, but yeah, so sometimes uh, maybe too much of the old. So because he knows the team and he always has his players, which is why the that Schnatterer isn't going to be able to play for the next two games uh, is maybe uh, a hit for them. So yeah. We will see how that will go. Yep, and we will cover that in the preview. They do struggle when Schnatterer isn't in the squad. Uh, Alex, we'll have to talk about Duisburg. It is another heavy defeat, and it seems like the second half for Torsten Lieberknecht has been a real issue in those two games. They gave up four against Torsten Cure on their home patch, and then they gave up three um, in the second half, uh, what what on earth has gone on with them defensively in those second halves for them to completely switch off and, and give up not just, you know, uh, difficult chances, but kind of walk-in goals? Well, I wish we had the answer to that. Uh, I think I think more worryingly uh, for, from Duisburg's perspective is it seems that the new managerial factor, perhaps with Lieberknecht, is somewhat wearing off at the moment. They had the... Uh, positive wins at Bielefeld and the one against Paderborn but like we've said in the past two weeks they've been convincingly defeated um, with Hamburg up next it's hard to see uh, any points coming from that game and that means that the final game bef- uh, before the winter break against Dresden is building up to be you know, almost a six-pointer to, to keep them out of the relegation zone Yep, and you know it is heating up down the bottom of the standings and we are going to stay there for our final Group 2 game. It was Darmstadt against Ingolstadt. That game ended 1-1 with both goals coming from the penalty spot. Dario Lescano, yes, he still exists. Yes, he found the back of the net, so that tells you how long between drinks it's been for him. And then Tobias Kemper scoring on 83 minutes in quite controversial uh, factors with Fabian Holland not fouled 
by Sonny Kittle, but the referee blowing for a penalty. It was also Jens Keller's first game in charge of Ingolstadt after the sacking of Alexander Nuri. Uh, so I guess the best place to start is with you, Alex. Um, your impressions of Jens Keller, A, coming in as the manager. Um, I mean, we talked about it off, off, um, off camera that um, you know he probably should have been the guy they got in the summer. Um, wh- what did you think of his first game in charge of Ingolstadt? Yeah, so firstly on the appointment, I uh, agree wholeheartedly, and I mean, he, he's a man that you know did well at Union and at Schalke as well. He was just you know, at times, uh, and for his first game, I was pleased with the lineup. It seemed the more logical one. Alexander Nori had the tendency to play strange formations and uh, lineups, so it was good to see uh, people like Almog Cohen starting a in the heart of midfield. And Tony Kittle out uh, through the middle as well. Uh, so moving on from that, um, it seemed some of the same problems again that let us down. Uh, it was the fourth game that we'd gone down to ten men after Torsten Röker was sent off, and in those four games we've lost three and drawn one. And it was also the eighth penalty that we've given away this season. Granted, it was never a penalty, but giving away eight penalties is almost giving away eight goals and giving your opponent. Uh, a head start like that is never uh, conducive to uh, getting good results. Yeah, they they have a, a atrocious record at giving up pen, penalty goals, and and they are the most in the league in that category. They're also pretty ordinary from set pieces, but didn't come forth from for the, from that. Um, Eva, we've got to talk about Darmstadt. It's the first time in four games that they've uh, secured a point. They weren't very impressive again, and and you kind of get the sense, even though they're not a biggish club, that the pressure might start coming on uh, Dirk Schuster if he can't turn this around. Yeah, I think they were. Um, the good thing is that although they had to put in a completely new defense due to injuries, um, they were more or less secure in the defense. Um, so that's made more or less the good thing you could take from that. And uh, I think Keller made a lot of changes after uh, the last game. Um, good to see them not losing. But I think how the game went, uh, especially with their penalty, um it was a bit unlucky for English to, to lose, although I'm pretty happy they didn't win. It's better for me near that way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think Jens Keller is the right guy at the moment. So he he brings in the right people. I think that, for example, Kersh Bauma seemed to be better again than he was in the in the past games, uh, which is uh, very good to, to see him try to to be on the same level he was in Bielefeld um so yeah I'm pretty confident that Ingolstadt will win one of the next games yeah and you know I, I agree with with the comments like Jens Keller is an excellent manager um when he managed Schalke I, I thought he did quite a great a good job um and it just seemed towards the end of his tenure that you know everyone was kind of out to get him and and you could tell that he was kind of happy well you wouldn't say happy but he, he kind of resigned to the fact that, you know, you might as well just sack me and, and go from there. And he did a great job at Union. He got them into that top four where they were they were beaten out by Braunschweig. And, yeah, I, I think he's the right man to turn it around. It is a big job. It is a big ask. But um, with the quality of players they've got, especially in midfield with Kirschbaumer and, and Cohen and Kittel, 
uh, they, they can make something and, and, um, and rescue that season. We will take one more break for our Match Day 16 review. Our Group 3 games coming up. We are going to start in Bavaria with Jan Regensburg and FC Köln. Herr Rodde, der ist in der 11. Minute auf und davon und mal wieder nicht zu stoppen. Simon Terodde, 20. Saisontor, der Wahnsinn. Yes, and we start our Group 3 games in Regensburg and they fell to second place FC Köln, 3-1. Simon Terodde added his 20th goal of the Schweizer Liga season with a delicate chip over Philipp Penker. Uh, Dominic Drexler chimed in with a brace on 41 and 55 minutes. Sargis Adamian, the goal scorer for Regensburg. This game also had plenty of controversy as it seems to be the theme with the officials and that could be a separate episode on its own, um, but we won't get too much into it. With two goals getting chalked off for Regensburg and then an incident between referee Christoph Gunsch and Jan Regensburg coach Akim Bielorza with the referee Gunsch refusing to shake hands with Bielorza at the end of the game. Uh, and Bielorza was obviously quite animated. Alex, I'll start with you. It's a, it's a crucial win for Köln. They continue their dominance away from home. And this time it was Dominic Drexler who stole the limelight. Definitely. Um... It was one of the best individual performances I've seen of the se- in in this season. Um, the pass for Terada's uh, goal is something that I could watch day in, day out. And you know, his two finishes weren't uh, weren't too shabby either, especially the second to show the uh, sort of coolness to be able to chop back inside and place that in. Uh, he's a player who, like many Kuhn uh, players, sh- shouldn't really be in the Zweite Bundesliga. Um, and I think it's just a matter of time um, before they are promoted eventually under Anfang. Yeah, they do have that gap in the table to Union Berlin and they are just a point away from Hamburg. Um, speaking for Regensburg, Eva, they played well, they fought hard um, and, you know, they will feel hardly done by the two goals chalked off. Um, you know, your impression on Regensburg tackling Köln and, and um, you know, should, should they feel hard done by yeah, I think as you said, they played very good. They they put up a very good fight. They played along after the one nil, um, then the two nil by Drexler, um, and they were up a bit after that two one. Um, and it's their first loss after ten unbeaten games, so I think uh, you, it it's not a shame to lose against Köln. Um, if it would have been a different team, maybe uh, Jan could have uh, taken points out of that one, but um, it's Köln, and Köln was really eager to to stay up with Hamburg. Um, yeah, so um, I'm pretty sure Regensburg will will win the next game again, but um, yeah, we we see. Yeah, despite their league position, they have been in very. They've played some really good football, Regensburg, and. And if you are a young fan, uh, I wouldn't take it to heart. They, uh, it is FC Köln, and they have one hell of a squad. We'll make the journey east to Dresden uh, as Dynamo took on Holstein Kiel. And for the third consecutive meeting between the two sides, it was a Holstein Kiel win. Alexander Muling scoring the opening goal with a header from the cross from David Kinzombi and Matthias Honsack only 14 minutes later on hand to tap home the rebound from Lee J. Song's shot on goal. Um, Eva, you know, 
we've continued to marvel at Holstein Kiel, and I think it's 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 a, it's another good time to do so. Uh, they didn't have one of their leading goal scorers in Yanni Lucasera, but Matthias Hontak came in and played a very, very good game. Um, I guess we have to talk about Tim Volta. He was uh, up there in our poll. Uh, his job at Kiel has been very, very impressive. What has impressed you about his job so far? I think the, that although they lost a lot of pretty decent players like Drexler, Chichos, um they somehow managed to didn't get down due to these losses, but uh, yeah, got there with especially with uh, Sarah or even uh, all the new players that came in to to keep on winning and keep on keep up the good work. Um, they, uh, I think, it wasn't one of their best games against Dresden uh, because Dresden had a lot of pressure towards them but Kiel was pretty effective and it's uh, very good as well to win those games. Um, Dresden couldn't use uh, the Kronhorn's uh, insecurities um, so but yeah really a chapeau to Walter what he has done in a couple uh, of the past month and so on so very good work. He has turned them around and they do sit very pretty in fifth. Um, Alex, uh, Eva alluded to Kenneth Cronholm, who was quite good in between the sticks. Uh, Marcus Schubert didn't have his best day at the office. Schubert's been quite impressive this season. Um, what do you put down this poor performance down to? I think yeah, every player, even if they're having a, a great season, uh, are prone to having a, an off game now and then. And you know, it was a similar story for Musa Kone up front for uh, Dinamo. Uh, he had a brilliant chance early on before uh, Kiel actually got there first. So on another day, it could have been a different story for uh, Dinamo. Uh, saying that for both Schubert and Kone, with uh, someone like uh, Mike Valpogis' as manager, Mr. Angry, uh, <laughs> he's maybe not the, uh, the best uh, manager to have a poor game under. I mean, I remember when he was at Ingolstadt, I'm sure... I'm scared of him. I'm sure all the players were scared of him too. Uh, so maybe not the best. Yeah, the redhead is a little bit of a giveaway. He has got plenty of fire in the belly. Um, our last game, as much as Danny wanted us not to avoid it, uh, we have to talk about it. His Greutherford were absolutely battered at the hands of Erzgeberger Auer. And I don't think many people could remember that Auer scoring five goals in a single game. They had five different goal scorers, Florian Kruger, Pascal Testrot, Jan Holscheid's brilliant free kick, Emmanuel Ayoa, and Robert Herman finishing off the scoring in what was a absolute defensive calamity for Greta Furt. Eva, I'm going to start with you. It's... It, it's a result that if you had to look at it properly, you probably couldn't believe it. But, um, yeah, what on earth has gone on with uh, with Furt's defensive uh, efforts? Yeah, I have no idea. In the past games, they seem to completely lose it. Um, and then they have... Uh, that isn't enough. They have no creativity in the offense. They... they do not create any real chances. Um, and yeah, when they are down two goals, they seem to completely sh- sh- like shut down everything that is going on. And this is very dangerous. <laughs> yes, they uh, 
Uh, since the international break, they've given up 15 goals and they've only scored three times. That three goals coming in that 3-2 win over Magdeburg. Um, Alex, we need to marvel about our... It's very rarely do we see um, this side come up with an uh, a offensive masterclass. Uh, rarely do they score more than two goals in a single game. Um, what impressed you with their offensive display and, and is it something that Daniel Meyer should look at more carefully uh, going forward? Uh, the thing that impressed me most about uh, their offensive performance really was the quality of the goals that they scored, um, particularly Testerotes, Hotshites and Ioa. Uh, they were goals that, you know, were well worthy of, you know, that could have, as we mentioned, two of them in the goal of the week contest. They, it was a very impressive uh, performance and if, you know, Daniel Meyer's side can keep that, uh, keep that going in coming weeks, you know, there's no uh, reason why our can't keep going up the table even more so they you know, they're doing well at the moment, but who's to say that they can't even uh, make a push towards the higher echelons of the table? I mean, they do have, they do face that gap between them and uh, Dinamo, but yeah, I I think um, you know ultimately they've played they played some really good football against Furt and they made Furt look second rate. Um, they do move up to twelfth, so uh, kudos to them. They leap from Darmstadt, but for Greuther Furt, it's um, <clears throat> it's getting very worrying. Uh, Changes may need to happen in the in the back four to to just stabilise them because it seems against good teams away from home they really struggle and and if you let a team like ours score five against you then it's something that Demir Birch needs to have a look at. We're going to take a break. Uh, we hope you'll stick around. We have our match day seventeen previews coming up. Our opening group one game will be Union Berlin and Valfeld Borkum. Be sure to join us. Yes, and we start our match day 17 preview in Kopernik as Union Berlin take on Borkum. Uh, Alex, I'm going to start with you. You know, Union Berlin have been superb at home. They have the best home record in the Schweizer Bundesliga. Is there a chance that they can continue that excellent form at home? Uh, definitely. Uh, like you mentioned, they haven't been defeated at home, but I think more impressively, they've only conceded the five goals at home. And this is against um, a Bochum team that uh, aren't well. They actually, uh, yeah, they aren't particularly great on the road. They've won one away from home, uh, and especially when we consider that they've only ever won in Kopenick uh, on two occasions in the history of this fixture. All, all signs would suggest uh, we're in for a home banker potentially. Yeah, it's 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 not great when they haven't kept the clean sheet in the last 14 games against Union Berlin. And the last win in Kopernik came in 2013. So history does suggest that it's not going to be easy for Bochum. Um, Eva, if the apple cart is to be upset, what do Bochum need to do to swing the three points in their direction? Uh, they have to be really, really good, especially how Union uh, is playing at the moment. They're keen to to keep up that unbeaten this season. They they want to keep that up. Uh, they uh, probably want to win as well. Um, 
it's going to be a really, really tough game. I'm going to say Union is going to win um, with a bit of chances that it's going to end in a draw, but not that many chances, I guess. Yes, I'm also backing Union as well. As Eva alluded to, Berlin have yet to lose this season. Six wins and ten draws as they currently sit in third place. The team just below them on goal difference is our next game, St. Pauli. They host the free-falling Greuther Fürth. Sorry, Danny. Um, it has been a difficult four fixtures since the international break for Greuther Fürth. They've scored three goals, conceded 15. Eva, it's been a real struggle for Fürth in recent times. Is there a way they can turn this around against St. Pauli, or is it going to be a very tricky test at the Milan Tour? Uh, I don't think they're going to turn it around. In this game, they might turn it around in, in the future, but I don't see it happening. Uh, in St. Pauli, really, really tough to play, especially uh, with uh, the amazing fans. Um, I'm very sorry for Danny too, but I don't think... Maybe they don't. They will not concede five goals again, but I don't see them winning. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tricky game when the... T- when the two teams played last season in this fixture, St. Pauli won 3-0. Uh, Alex, you know, St. Pauli have shown life. They were very impressive last night. Um, th- this uh, seems like easy prey considering how vulnerable Furt have been defensively. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, Hamburg have only been defeated uh, at home against Furt on three occasions since 1998. So that suge- uh, suggests that, you know, historically, again, that they have a good form at uh, home against Forts, but then again, when we consider that you know Forts have conceded 15 goals away from home uh, with the form that St. Pauli are in, and especially uh, their attacking players after last uh, Monday night's victory at Bochum, it, again it suggests that Marcus Kalczynski's side could keep up their push for the you know, a promotion chance before the winter break. Yes, and a win against Forts would do just that. It will keep them very much in the hunt. Speaking of a team that is very much in players for promotion. Our final Group 1 game is FT Köln taking on Magdeborg. This is the Monday night fixture, so I do feel sorry for those Magdeborg fans making the long trip to Köln. It's the first meeting between the two sides in the Schweizer Bundesliga. Um, Alex, it's a very unenviable task for Magdeborg. Uh, considering the last three teams to travel there have given up a total of 13 goals. Is there any chance that they could come out with a result or is it a, uh, a step too high to climb? My head suggests that, uh, yeah, like you said, there isn't much chance uh, of a result for the away team. But at the same time, uh, Köln haven't perhaps been as impervious at home as one might expect. You know, they were defeated by Duisburg. The, they drew with Heidenheim. Uh, they were defeated by Paderborn as well. So, even though you know Köln have thrashed teams at home in recent weeks, there's also the suggestion that they're not quite as good at home as they are away from um, North Rhine-Westphalia. Yeah, they uh, they did start the season off shaky, but uh, coming on to Eva, uh, they have improved that home those home performances. We have seen the change of formation a few weeks ago. We were asked about if the three-five-two was to stay. It has done. Um, What's your impression been on them changing to that system and, and now that we've seen them play a few games, uh, it seems to be a bit of a winner for them. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe it's uh, also who they played. So um, that that has to be uh, taken into uh, the discussion as well. But um, yeah, it seems they're uh, feeling more confident with that way of playing. Uh, and that's why I don't see Magdeburg taking any points out of this game. This is uh, Köln is too good at the moment. With uh, Drexler, with Terodde, um, with everyone playing very, very good. Um, I don't know yet if, if Schaub is going to be back, but if he is, um, that's going to be another tough one to play. So, yeah, I'm very sorry for Magdeburg, but that um, any other team would have, would have been very good because maybe they could they could win, but with Elm, they're just not very lucky to, to have to play them now. Yeah, the odds are very much against them, but who doesn't love a David, David and Goliath story? We'll take a quick break, but do join us. Our Group 2 games start in Kiel as they take on Armenia Bielefeld. Durchgehen gleich mehrere Dresdner, die dann überzahlt sind. Und zu allem Überfluss verschätzt sich Markus Schubert bei der Hereingabe. Das 1 zu 0 durch alle... Yes, and we start those Group 2 games in Kiel. As Holstein Kiel take on Armenia Bielefeld. Of course, Kiel coming off that 2-0 win over Dresden. And Bielefeld drawing with Sandhausen. Um, Eva, we'll start with you. It's obviously Uwe Neuhaus' first game in charge. Uh, Kiel are in great form. Is there any chance that Bielefeld could uh, steal a point here? Or is it going to be a very long trip home with disappointment? Yeah, I will go with the second one. I don't see them winning. Um, although Noyes may have some ideas, but um, if they can't manage to, to take out Schindler or Sarah or anyone else uh, up there, um, it's going to be a very, very, very um, yeah exhausting game. Um, a one that I'm very happy that I cannot watch. Um, yeah, it's going to be very tough. Kiel is, as we talked about it, uh, is pretty, pretty good the, uh, in the past. Um, they are very effective, and that's one reason, something that Armenia isn't. So, um, yeah, I I can't really see them win. No. Uh, Alex, do, do you agree with Eva, or uh, do, do you think that Bielefeld could uh, you know, pull the upset? No, I agree with uh, Eva. Uh, looking at the you know, Kiel are undefeated at home this season, and they've they've been a total uh, twenty four goals in the seven home games for them this so far this season, which was uh, which is over three goals a game. So it suggests that there could be a high scoring one in Kiel, uh, and then also the history books would suggest that the home team is going to come away with the points in this one. Uh, in the games between the two sides the away team has actually never uh, won and that goes all the way back to 1966 wow <laughs> wow well, that is one for the stat buffs and uh, I will make it three for three and unfortunately for Eva it'll be a kill win uh, we make the journey to Duisburg for our second game they take on Haas Val it is the first meeting between the two sides in League competition since 2008. Duisburg have had a really rough time of it of late. They've given up eight goals in their final 
in their last two games. Um, Eva Duisburg have hit a little bit of a rough patch. Perhaps the stigma has worn off on Torsten Liebeklesch, as Alex alerted to earlier. Um, could they? Could they find a way to, to break down that very stubborn Hamburg defence? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, Hamburg is is too good for that. Maybe uh, so they they are, are playing very score orientated football. But um, yeah, I Duisburg is not in the best shape to to take Hamburg on right now. Um, same, I, I would go with like say the same as we said with Magdeburg. Um, not the best team to play right now, and that's why I don't I don't see them winning or at least get a draw out of it. It's it's not happening. Yeah, considering the the previous two results, especially in the second half, they've been extremely vulnerable. Um, Alex, you know Hamburg have been superb away from home this season. I think they've conceded you know one or two one or two goals all told. Um, are they on the cards for another clean sheet here in uh, in Duisburg? Uh, I would wager so. <clears throat> As you mentioned, uh, they haven't conceded many. In fact, it's only been three goals all season away from home. And they have only actually dropped uh, two points away from home, and that came at foot at the back end of September. So since then, they've been had a perfect record. What, what we could say is, though... Uh, Duisburg did actually uh, win the last time the two teams met back in 2008, as you mentioned. And also, the only time uh, these two managers have come up against each other, Hannes Wolf and Torsten Lieberknecht, was actually a one-all draw back in 2017 between Braunschweig and Stuttgart. So uh, maybe there's the potential for Duisburg to get a very unlikely upset. There you go, Duisburg fans. Maybe something to hold on to in what should be a very tricky encounter. Our last game is Paderborn against Dinamo Dresden. Uh, history suggests that there are plenty of goals in this one. In fact, in their last seven meetings, neither team has kept a clean sheet. Alex, I'm going to start with you. Uh, neither team actually scored uh, on the weekend, so you can suggest that both teams will be eager to atone for that. Oh, definitely. And you know, Paderborn are a team that even though they didn't score uh, last time out, it, they're a team that, you know, on occasion and have done it consistently this season, do actually score many goals. We've had the their five one away victory at Heidenheim and their four all draw at home uh, Kiel, which would suggest you know, that last time out against Hamburg was a blip. And of course, Hamburg are a very good defensive team. Uh, so, from a Paderborn perspective, especially at home, uh, they've got to really be wanting to get another win, which would see them. Uh, Back up in contention to put pressure on the likes of San Paulo and Union Berlin. Yep, I would agree with that. And Eva, we, we look at Dresden, and you know they've got plenty of talent going forward. Uh, Harris Dulevic, who's you know hasn't played very often in the last few games. Musakone, who gets plenty of chances. Um, it seems like they've got a real issue in the final third um, against a, a Paderborn team that is very defensively vulnerable. Um, do they have a great chance of uh, of finding the back of the net with regularity? Yeah, I don't know. Um, seeing that Paderborn didn't concede that many goals in the past, although they are three uh, in the past two games, um, but there's still Paderborn is pretty pretty effective uh, in the offense. Um, so 
I think it's going to be a very interesting game to watch in at some points, but um, I think Paderborn will will be the winner in the end because I think they want to show a reaction of not winning the the past two games. Um, yeah, want to to go back to that form they had against Heidenheim. Yeah, I think I think Paderborn will probably. Uh... Have the better of it. They will welcome Bernard Tech-Petty, uh, who missed the last game due to suspension, and they've certainly been a better side when he has been on the park. To join us, uh, it is near the end. Our Group 3 games are coming up. We will start with Erzgeberger Auer and Darmstadt. Und weiter ging's. Auer, alles gelang. Das 0 zu 3, 69. Hochscheid. Ein traumhafter Freistoß. Sie sind so... Yes, and our final... Group games, we start in our. They take on Darmstadt is 12th versus 13th. Our coming off that impressive 5-0 route for Weiss Darmstadt. Drawing with Ingolstadt, we will start with you, Eva. Um, you know, our's performance against Furt was undeniably impressive, but can they replicate this at home against a Darmstadt side that is struggling? I don't think they will managed to do the exact same they did uh, in Fürth. Um But the good thing is they go into that match with a lot of confidence, which could go either way. Um, but um, Darmstadt isn't at its best, so they at least managed not to lose for once. But um, it's going to be a very tough game for Darmstadt. Um I would go probably with a draw, but with more chances of our to win. Uh, Alex, do you agree with Eva, or do you think Darmstadt could uh, leave our with all three points? Uh, I think our have certainly got to go into the game as favourites, although when they have played teams at home, you might expect them to beat, like Sandhausen and Magdeburg. Uh, they haven't actually come away with three points in those games. Um, saying that, Darmstadt are have one point from their last five away games. Um, so, I mean, it's a hard one to call, really. The Exgeberger Stadion is a difficult place to go to, even though they've had a monstrosity of a conversion of that ground. Um, so, it's a hard one. I'd place this as a 50-50 one for me. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, it, it was probably a one-off, that performance, but, you know, it, it, it's tricky to see. They, they, they do... They've... They do struggle, seem to struggle against teams that are, are below them or, 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 or on par with them. Uh, our next game is in Ingolstadt. They take on Heidenheim. It will be Jens Keller's first home game in charge of Deschanzer against a very tricky opponent in Heidenheim. Alex, it's perfect to start with you. Um, history has favoured Deschanzer. They are a perfect 8-0 against uh, Heidenheim. Will it be 9 this time around? It's hard, really, as as you say, with a very good historic record against uh, Heidenheim, yet current form would suggest the complete opposite is going to happen. Uh, there's been some really important victories for Ingolstadt against Heidenheim, uh, none more so than uh, a really key away victory in the promotion season back in 2015. Uh, the performance under Keller was a lot better, but saying that, he has uh, actually lost all three games he has played against uh, Heidenheim. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to call anything. Um, I'd take three points, but yeah, let's see what happens. 
yeah, it, it uh, well, based on that, it could probably end in a nil-nil draw. Um, <laughs> Eva Heidenheim's away record has been troubling. They will be without Mark Schnatter, as you alluded to. Um, how can they cover the loss of arguably the club's greatest player? Yeah, the thing is, um, that's probably the first thing you would think, okay, no, Schnatter is missing, everything is going to pieces, but uh, they proved that they have with Jovadan, another very decent player in their team. Um, you, you can't replace Schnatter, that's true, but I think Jovadan uh, is going to have his fair share of that game, Um but uh, nevertheless, it's a great opportunity for Ingolstadt to maybe um, use some things that aren't clear then due to uh, the miss of Schnatterer. Um, yeah, but it's going to be a very tough game to win for Ingolstadt, I would say. If they're lucky, they can manage to take a point out of it, but not many more. Yeah, it's going to be a tricky game either way and. Uh... It will be very interesting to see how that pans out. Our last but certainly not least game of our Match Day 17 preview brings us to Sandhausen. They host Jan Regensburg. Uh, it's been a long time between drinks for Sandhausen. Their last win came against Alex's Ingolstadt. That was 4-0, but since then they have really, really struggled. Uh, whilst Jan Regensburg have been quite impressive away from home. In fact, they equaled the most goals scored away from home this season with 19. Uh, Eva, we've seen the struggles of Sandhausen. You saw them firsthand uh, on the weekend. Is there any chance that they can stop the offensive juggernaut that is Jan Regensburg? Yeah, I don't really think so. Seeing how uh, Regensburg played uh, has, um, no, Kern, sorry, uh, which was a really, really good fight, as we said. Um, I don't really see... Uh, Sandhausen winning it um, they don't seem to really uh, work together in some points um, I think uh, Kushinat had to like there are some injuries as well so um, yeah I don't think Sandhausen can get any points out of it I, I think Kingsburg will win Alex uh, do you agree I mean Jan have been very impressive away from home um, Marco Grutner and, and, and so I guess Adam Jan have been fantastic uh, is it m- more likely that those two will be at the forefront of the damage or do you expect someone else to chime in as well in in what we probably expect as a Regensburg win uh, I mean that's hard to suggest uh, but then they have also uh, been joined by the likes of uh, Jan uh, Christopher George uh, he's contributed with a few goals uh, and like we said, they've scored many in their undefeats and away from home uh, since since uh, earlier on in the season. So, Regensburg, I mean, they could really do, like you said, they, they haven't had uh, the best of time as of late. So they could really do with uh, some free points and against the Sandhausen team that have struggled since defeating Ingolstadt. Uh, I think we yeah, would have to say that uh, Regensburg are large favourites for all three points there. Yeah, it's hard to disagree, although the last time the two teams played in Sandhausen, it was a 2-0 win for S. Val S. We come to your fan questions. Uh, we have two this week. We will start with Steel Penguin at Steel Penguin 3. We love that you give us a question to answer each week. 
He says, hello, everybody. Keep up with the great work with the podcast. I enjoy it listening to y'all. Thank you. Uh, my question this week is, given how crazy Schweizer Bundesliga is, are there any teams that are surprising you at all, uh, both positively and negatively? Uh, Eva, who's your positive surprise this season? Yeah, as I said before, it's probably Kiel or, or even Regensburg. Uh, both teams were, were set again to um, be more in the position of not being relegated, trying to do that, but they proved it was all wrong. So uh, they're probably the two teams that surprised me the most. Most And maybe like negatively, Ingolstadt, I thought that would be a bit better, especially with, with Kirschbaumer, for example, coming in. Yep. Uh, Alex, your positive and, uh, and negative choices? Uh, I suppose my positive choice uh, reflects my choice of the manager of the season so far. In, let's say, St. Pauli, we saw last season, they struggled and were involved in uh, not quite a relegation scrap, but were down uh, the lower echelons of the table. So for them to translate that into almost a promotion bid is a, a positive surprise for me. Uh, the other end of the table, again, I would have to echo what Eva says. Uh, Ingolstadt have done uh, very poorly. I mean, signs of uh, negative signs were there last season, and so it isn't a surprise for me that we, we are in the lower echelons, but maybe not um, entirely at the bottom. And I'd also have to uh, mention Magdeburg as well. I had them uh, being a lot higher in the table. Granted, they are a newly promoted team, but we have seen in recent years uh, newly promoted teams have have done particularly well. Uh, so for me, it was a surprise that they are actually as low as they are. Yeah, um, I'm going to make it three for three on the negative with Ingolstadt. I mean, uh, they've got one of the better squads talent-wise, but they haven't been able to put it together. One would hope, for Alex's sake, that the coaching change will bring the, the squad to life. Um, from the positive, I would say Heidenheim. Um for the pure fact that we we kind of tend to underestimate them, they you know generally are a mid-table type uh, side. They play some really good football. We've show, they've showcased that. Nikola Dovdan has been fantastic for them, and he's one of those players that is you know he's too good for the for the side of Bundesliga for me. And I think it will be just a matter of time before he gets his chance in the Bundesliga. Our last question comes from Louis Ostrowski at Australu. He's like, he asks, what on earth has gone on with Furtz? And he refers to that they've lost three of the last four games by by conceding more than four goals. Um, Alex, I'm going to start with you. It must give you a little bit of pleasure seeing your fellow Bavarian struggle. Um, what has you, have you seen to be the catalyst to their downfall? I mean, I, I think with this one... We- we were perhaps uh, sort of shocked by their earlier form in the season. It may have lulled us into a sense that they were better than they actually were. I mean, many of us had for struggling at the start of the season and the way they started was you know, the complete opposite. And so maybe it's a reflection of that they aren't the greatest team in the division. Although, you know, we have, you, know you can't really account for the amount of goals that they've conceded and you know, something really needs to uh, change for them uh, if in recent weeks or going on after the Christmas break. Eva, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I would say the same, uh, especially like when I saw them playing Armenia, it pains me really much that we always have to go back to this game. Um, 
they they were so effective and they did a really good job coming back and this is especially why I'm so surprised as a player right now. Um, they seem to completely lost touch to the team they were in the beginning. Um, so yeah, they really they really have to look out that they that they don't concede that many goals for stars and then going back to to how they were in the beginning. Yeah, it's um it is a bit of a mystery, but. It seems that maybe they have to go back to basics and and just hit the reset button and and go again. It's going to be a tricky fixture for them this weekend. Well, thank you for joining the podcast. We do appreciate your company. Um, Big thank you to Eva and Alex. Uh, Is there anything you two want to promote? No. No. Promote Ingles, that's form, hopefully. (laughs) Very, very good. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. We look forward to your company next week as well. We hope you enjoy your weekend of Spider League football. And until next time, goodbye.